Time now for Labor Press's Blue Collar Buzz, your source for daily labor news and industry information. Hear discussions on the workplace and interesting talk from prominent and influential personalities in the labor community. And now your hosts, Bill Holfeld and Joe Maniscalco. Accountability. Welcome to Labor Press's Blue Collar Buzz here on AM 970, The Answer. I'm your host, Joe Maniscalco, senior editor at laborpress.org. With me in the studio is publisher Neil Tapel and also ace reporter Steve Wishnia. Guys, welcome to uh, another episode of Blue Collar Buzz. We're doing something special this week. We're devoting a whole episode to the Janus decision. And uh, we've, we've got a packed studio, we've got great luminaries inside the studio, and we've got uh, great luminaries outside the studio. We have uh, Chris Palacano from, uh, from DC 37, we have Elias Huzamadine from the Correction Officers Benevolent Association, Peter Merlingolo from the New York State Public Employees Conference, and Kim Medina, Executive Director of DC 1707. I want to welcome everybody to the show, and uh, I just want to open it up. Steve, you've been you've been covering this Janice decision very extensively. Before we kick it off, let's just uh, frame the issue and let everybody know what the ruling says, and uh, what, you know we'll get into the ramifications of it. Okay, the previous Supreme Court precedent was a case from 1977 called Abood versus Detroit Board of Education, and that balanced the free speech interests of workers with workers and union workers' need for solidarity and unions not wanting to have to represent people for nothing by saying that people could opt out of having to pay full union dues if they objected to the union's political activities. You know, if you're in the teachers' union and you don't want your dues money going to the Clinton for President campaign or whatever... What this decision is different is a coalition of far-right groups that have been working against labor you know, pretty intensely for about eight years argued that all activity by public unions is political. If you're in the Illinois State Workers Union and you don't want your pension cut, that's political because it's taxpayers' money, and by a five-to-four margin, they won. And this, the second thing in that decision is that also it said workers have to opt in to paying dues rather than having them deducted automatically, which is you know, one of these little chip-away things that uh, people will, a certain amount of people will forget to fill out the paperwork, so that hurts unions. And the third thing, which is more insidious, is that Justice Alito basically invited challenges to other union rights, such as exclusive representation. So thank God the Supreme Court made it possible for workers to actually benefit from everything that unions do without supporting them. I mean, that, that sounds like freedom to me. Chris, I want to I go to you first and uh, get your reaction to the ruling. And uh, just you just heard Steve lay it out. What, what was your, your immediate reaction to the, the actual uh, meat of this decision? Well, I mean, the first thing is, it's always amazed me that this thing was going to go down. Amaze is the wrong word. It was always, um, whatever the word is, that a unanimous decision um, from 1977 in the Abood case was going to be split on what has become, in the Supreme Court, partisan lines. 
Um, and, you know, that decision split for 41 years. It's precedent. I mean, what's involved with overturning precedent is normally, um, you know, that's a, that's a huge step to take. And to, and to be overturning a, what was a unanimous decision, um, we really have come to the point where this court has become, and the whole session was like this. The whole session was, was consisted of partisan decisions. Uh, and that's not what the courts are supposed to be about. I mean, uh, you know, the corporate elite and the politicians they own, they've always done what they can to silence the voice of workers and to, um, you know, push back against the collective power of workers. The courts were the equalizers, and the, uh, and the Supreme Court disavowed that role last week. And that's a, uh, that, that, that's a big, important um, and ugly step that was taken. Peter, what, what's your impression of the majority opinion of the court? Obviously, I, I would agree. I mean, for more than 40 years, millions of public employees across the great country have been afforded the opportunity to speak with a single voice through their respective unions. Uh, it was pretty obvious. I mean, labor's been under attack for many years. And I think when this first raised its ugly head a couple of years ago with the case in California, the Friedrichs versus the California teachers, and everybody knows that that ruling was set to go against us. But uh, the untimely death of one of the justices, uh, Scalia, uh, kind of put everything on hold. But everybody knew that there would be another case. Uh, and I think from that day forward, labor was preparing for this possibility, and not even a possibility, but it was inevitable this was going to happen. I mean, people like the Koch brothers, who I believe, in my opinion, probably funded this, this, this gentleman, Mr. Janice. They did. Because the, the ultimate goal is to break the back of union and to take away our voice. I mean, I'm very grateful that um, we started, I mean, you know, we joined with, uh, with the other big unions, the New York State Public Employee Conference, in, in lobbying our legislature. And I'm very grateful to Senator Flanagan, uh, Assemblyman uh, Speaker Hasty, and our governor uh, for actually having the foresight to help labor, to come together. And I think all the unions banding together uh, to come up with our legislation you know, to protect against the Janus decision, which uh, is, is going to mean now we have a lot of educating to do to our members. But I think we have something in place, uh, you know, in, in the state legislature that will allow uh, union presidents and business managers to go to their members and explain to them. I mean, I was just with the governor a couple of days ago, and we were talking about the, the need to educating the members now on the need to be part of a union. Right. So yeah, I, we're going to we're uh, going to jump into all that. We're going to dig into all that too. But I, I okay. want to go to Elias and Kim, and uh, you know, everybody knew this was going to come down the way that it did. But after the actual ruling w- was issued, what what are your thoughts on, on it? <laughs> you know, I w- I was in a meeting. Um, <clears throat> On health, a health fund meeting. So the first thing a worker thinks about is a steady paycheck, my health benefits, my pension. And when the decision came down, and as much as we prepared for it, you're never prepared for it. You know what you have to do once it's done. And I went straight back to the council to prepare my staff to have answers to our members. Um, For 1707, it doesn't affect us, but it does afflict us because it hurts our brothers and sisters in the labor movement, and we will support 100%. Because the Janus decision didn't affect non-for-profits or private agencies, which is interesting because the very wealthy put their money into these non-for-profits because it's a tax write-off for them. It's not about doing the right thing for those who are disenfranchised or those who are or special needs or are sick and shut in. It's about how I can get a tax break at the end of the year. 
So, and they want their checks to come in for the Supreme Court justices and the Congress and everybody else who are going to get a check. We're fortunate in New York State, the law that was put in. But when I look at my brothers in CSEA, when I look at the police department, when I look at my brothers and sisters in DC 37, yes, it affects us. It, it, it afflicts us because they offer all the services. But I believe this is a prime opportunity that we get back to our membership and we go grassroots. We can grow out of this. For <clears throat> for me, uh, this is Elias Koba. For me, l- like it was said, it was not like it wasn't expected. Uh, for me, I never had any doubt that this is what the decision <laughs> was going to be. Uh, but we've we've done a good job here in the city of of educating our members and forming our members. I mean, I, I enjoy having a union where. I, I can count the agency shop fees on one hand that I have, and I have eleven thousand members. Uh, I don't. I, I believe that we have to continue to to educate them. We have to continue to inform them. I think that the war that's been waged against unions uh, is something that's been long time coming. Uh, I think. Okay, not to be controversial, I think in off topic, I think most of it is our own fault. I think the unions are actually, we're the ones to blame. Uh, because I believe that in certain areas we dropped the ball. We, we, we didn't continue to unionize. I mean, coming up as a young kid, I can sing the entire song to you that says, look for the union label when you're buying a dress, skirt, or blouse. I can sing that entire song to you. Uh, back then, it seemed like unions did a lot of unionizing, a lot of organizing, a lot of in, uh, informing people of what it is that we do. Uh, and now we have to get back to that. What about you, Neil? What, what struck you most about the, the legal reasoning behind uh, this? And, like, you know, we knew it was coming. But uh, the justification for it. Yeah, I think uh, there was a false reasoning. I think if people benefit from services, they should pay for services. That's right. And, and that's simple. And now the unions have to have to battle that issue. On the other hand, uh, the, the Koch brothers have an opening. They have an opening because they now their position now is that people paid unions all those years, and they should get that money back. So it's very, very tricky now. I think that uh, this is, is, is just the open door. We're going to open up a process that's really going to continue <coughs> on both sides. Uh, this would be a sort of interesting philosophical issue, but the Supreme Court before the New Deal was guided by a decision called Lochner in 1905 that said that restrictions on how many hours people could work, I think it was a New York state law that limited bakers to working 60 hours a week, violated the constitutional prohibition on impairing contracts. So they struck down wage and hour laws, they struck down minimum wage laws, child labor, ban on yellow dog contracts. And in the 1930s, the court changed to say the balance of power between unions and workers and employers is so unbalanced that freedom of contract doesn't really apply. I don't know if that applies here. It would be an interesting thing to look into, but I suspect they're more just looking at the facts of the case and trying to figure out which argument is going to make the case against labor. All right, we've come to the end of our first segment, but we're just getting started. Everybody come back after these messages for more talk uh, about the Janus decision here on Blue Collar Buzz uh, on AM 970 The Answer. You're listening to Labor Press on AM 970 The Answer. 